This is the podcast of Redemption Bible Church, where applicational preaching is a distinctive of our church. For more information, log on to redemptionfw.org. Thanks for listening. All right, would you guys take your Bibles and go to James chapter 1. James chapter 1. I'm going to read the scripture this morning, just a couple of verses. James chapter 1, and we're going to start in verse number 1, James 1, one. James chapter 1 says this, James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ to the twelve tribes in the dispersion, greetings. Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds, for you know the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. And let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. Okay, Chile Challenge is coming up, and I've never won it. And this is going to be my year. Do you hear me? This is going to be my year. And I am not going to bring, well, we might bring the white chicken chili, but in addition to that, I've been doing some research online, been looking into it. I'm going to, I'm zeroing in on a couple of recipes. I'm going to find one. Here's what I'm discovering about chili. If you want really, really good chili, uh, it takes time to make good chili. Like what I'm discovering is that these competitions, what they'll do is they'll show up pretty early in the morning. They'll begin the simmering process, and that thing will simmer for hours and hours and hours before they actually serve up the chili. Good chili takes time. You know, that's true for a lot of things. The really good things take time. Ask anybody who does barbecue, and you know that if you really want to get barbecue right, you have to cook it slow and low. And you could go slow and low, and the longer that, 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 I mean, the right amount of time and all that makes really delicious barbecue. It's not just food, though that seems to be on my mind a little bit right now, but then again, it's not lunchtime yet. But not just food, but, uh, exercising. Um, so I am now three months into this uh, new exercise program, and for the last three months, I've been fairly consistent. Uh, Thinking about doing a triathlon in June, so I'm kind of like doing the triathlon, that kind of, and doing the triathlon workouts, so it's two swims, two bikes, two runs, but doing it for three months, and I still don't look like Captain America. Still working at that, still fighting for it, because it takes time. All good things take time. And the same is true of the gospel. And the same is true of your sanctification through the gospel. We started this series, this mini-series on the gospel several weeks ago now, and you know, started out talking about what is the gospel, how does the gospel work, showed you from uh, the life of Jesus walking on the road to Emmaus, it was a biblical paradigm that the idea of living in the gospel was. The whole point of the Bible was to show you Jesus and what he's done for you, that our God's a saving God and he's saved through Jesus Christ. And we showed you all this. Talked about gospel living as a married couple, gospel living as parents, gospel living as a church. You better yet? Are you perfect yet? Have you arrived yet? You got it all down now? No, because it takes time. And so I wanted to end our series by talking about just the patience of the gospel, the work of the gospel. Listen, to get to the really good stuff, you have to endure for the long haul. And that's true of the gospel as well. So here's the big idea of the day. Check this out. This is what I want us to walk away saying, I will endure in the gospel. I will endure in the gospel. Because listen, here's my heart about this sermon. Like I really want you to leave encouraged. I really want you to leave strengthened to keep at this gospel thing, to be patient with yourself and to be patient with the Lord as he grows you through all of this. 
Now, I've been talking all this series about um, making gospel connections. So here's the gospel connection that fuels gospel behavior. So those two things, gospel connection that fuels gospel behavior. Say with me, gospel connection that fuels gospel behavior. To see that with suffering, or for endurance, I should say, take a look at Hebrews 12. So just flip back a page, probably, in your Bibles, because Hebrews comes right before James. 12 is toward the end of the book of Hebrews. Hebrews 12, and let's look at verse number 1. Hebrews 12, 1 says this, Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight. And sin which clings so closely. And let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Would you take a moment and just underline that word endurance in your Bible? The word endurance? Run with endurance the race that is set before us. Check out verse number two. Looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith. Who for the joy that was set before him endured, same word as endurance before, endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured from sinners such hostility against himself, so that you may not grow weary or be faint-hearted. Do you see it here? The call in verse number, uh, really, uh, one and, and two, the uh, last part of one, is, is to endure, to run with endurance, to run with endurance. Well, how, how am I going to run with endurance? Well, verse number three, consider him who endured the cross. I mean, look to Jesus. So you have the gospel connection. Christ suffered for you. Christ endured for you. And because of what Christ has done, as you focus on him, and then you will endure. Listen, you will not endure simply based on your own determination to endure. You will not endure simply based on your own determination to endure. You will endure as you look to Jesus and make that gospel connection. So four aspects I want to talk about this morning about just living in that endurance of the gospel. Here's number one. You've got to have the vision of the gospel. You've got to have the vision of the gospel, a new way of looking at life. Now, keep something here in Hebrews 12. I'm going to come back to it in just a moment. But flip back over to James chapter 1 again and look at verse number 2. And I want you to see how James uh, uh, verse, uh, sorry, chapter 1 verse number 2 starts out. It starts out this way. Count it all. What does your Bible say? Joy? When you meet trials of various kinds, count it all joy? Anyone there yet? Man, I'm hoping just to get to count it as okay. When you go through trials of various kinds. I want to get beyond stop dreading the trial that's to come. How do, how do we get there? That seems like such a, such a high bar. I mean, cause think about that moment. You've been there. All of a sudden that trial hits you, that whatever it is, that news comes, that thing comes, and ugh, it's like a kick in the gut, and you're like, man, this, this stinks. Can you imagine being to the point where that thing happens, ugh, and then you're like, you know what? Thank you, God. Thank you, God, for this. That seems like such a high bar. And how in the world do you get to get there to that point where you're counting it all joy? 
Well, well, you get there through endurance. Look at the text here with me. Check this out. Count it all joy, uh, brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. For you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. And let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. So that word steadfastness that you see there in your text is the same word that uh, the Hebrews was endure. Okay, so I don't normally kind of share the Greek with you because you guys don't know Greek and how much does that help you, but I, I, I am this time. And this word steadfast, this word endure is the Greek word hupomainen, hupomainen. It's, it's a compound word of two. Uh, meno is one of the words. Meno means to linger or to remain. And, and we've talked about this before where you're like hanging out with some friends and it's like time to go and you've had a great night, you've played games, you've beat them in every game and you're ready to go now and it's kind of like, Hey guys, we'll, we'll, thanks for having us over. Thanks for the great food. Aaron, you're a great cook. And I can throw that out there. You don't know who I'm talking about, but Aaron in general. And, and there's like, oh, wait, and we talk a little bit more. And okay, no, really, goodbye this time. We're leaving now. And oh, one more thing. And you're, you know, you're at 15 goodbyes before you're out the door. And that, that lingering, that hanging out, that remaining, that's the idea of meno, to linger, to remain. And then the word hupo is to remain under. To remain under the weight. To remain under the trial. Church, what's our natural tendency when the trial comes? To get out. To eject. To get it ended. I don't know if you do this, but I tend to think in my head, like, okay, what sin did I do to cause this difficulty? And I want to think that way because I want to be able to say, well, if I can then repent of this sin, maybe I can get out of the trial. But God would have us to hupomainen, to endure, to learn steadfastness, to keep under that. Now, for that to be possible, what you have to do is you have to see, you have to have the vision to see to the other side of the trial. God is doing something in this. God is developing something in me. In the army, I was in the army, I was in the infantry. And when you're in the infantry, you have heavy rucksacks. And uh, I was in a long-range surveillance detachment, a six-man team, and I was the lowest-ranking guy on the six-man team. Do you know what that means? Guess who had the heaviest backpack? And they would take all the things they didn't want to carry, and they would go in, in private hearts. Actually, I wasn't private at that time. I was a specialist. But they'd go in my backpack. So I had this huge, heavy rucksack on, and, and that's very common in the military, especially in the infantry. In the infantry, you just carried heavy weight. And so what you would see a lot of infantry soldiers doing those who wanted to become better infantry soldiers. And they had that desire to be better at their job, to be a more effective soldier, to have more endurance. What they would do is they would wear their rucksacks like all the time. So you'd be at some like social event where the families are all hanging out. There'll be guys who are wearing rucksacks. And carrying them around with them all the time just to develop that endurance because their goal to the end of all of that was to be a more effective soldier. God is doing something through the weight that he's putting on you. And you've got to be able to see through the endurance to the other side. It's found also in Romans chapter 5. So this idea of rejoicing and sufferings, you're going to see it by several different authors. Here's, we just saw James say it. Here's Paul saying it. Not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that our suffering produces endurance. Same word, hupomain and remaining under. 
and endurance produces character, and character produces hope. God is at work through the trial. God is at work through the difficulty, and we've got to get our eyes on that. Now, if you would do this, um, I want you to turn back to Hebrews chapter 12 for just a second, because I want to show you something. This was really interesting to me in my text, so this proves this point a little bit further. But, but I want you to see verse number 3. Here's Hebrews 12, verse number 3. Again, consider him who endured such hostility against himself, so that you may not grow weary or faint-hearted. In your struggle against sin, you have not resisted to the point of shedding your blood, and you have uh, forgotten the exhortation that addresses you as sons. My son, do not regard lightly the discipline of the Lord, nor be wary when he, when reproved by him, for the Lord disciplines the one he loves and chastises every son whom he receives. It is for discipline that you have to endure. God is treating you as sons, for what son is there that a father does not discipline? So you get the idea here? God is training us as children. We always see that word discipline, and I know you, you're probably like me. Like, like I don't, I'm not looking forward to the disciplining hand of the Lord. That sounds painful and not fun. But what he's saying here is look at what God's doing. Through the endurance, he's training you like a father trains a son. And I've got boys, and I'm trying to train them up. And I've already let one go, and I've got to let another one go soon. So I've got to be sure he's trained and ready to go. And, and it's, that, it's, it's not so much a bad negative thing it is instruction and training because i'm trying to develop something within them now listen here's a truth that you may not buy um do you know that anybody in this room probably probably unless there's some big medical issue anybody in this room can, can run a marathon Right here's a picture of drew and i uh, this is not uh, at a marathon by the way this is at a 5k so that's about as much as I ever want to do is a 5K. Uh, and uh, this is Drew. I don't know if you know this about P- Pastor Drew or not, but the dude can run. Now, he'll say if you ask him today, oh, I'm that much of a runner now. He's lying to you. He is. Uh, he's an effective runner. He's still fast. I track him on Strava. He's still killing it. Um, but we ran a 5K together. Now, by the way, when I say together, what I mean is that we started together. And... Uh, Drew hung out a little bit until I got there, and uh, then then we did. But if you wanted to, if you wanted to run a marathon, you could do it. Give it enough time, enough training, sticking with it, sticking with it, sticking with it, and eventually you'd get there. And then you could say, "I ran a marathon," and you can put that twenty six point two sticker on your car and post it on Facebook. Whatever you want to do, you can do all that stuff. God is growing something in you. And you got to have that vision for what he's doing. He's doing something in you. And a couple of things there. What are the main areas that you want to grow in? You think about that? Where do you want to grow? What's your normal tendencies when trials come your way? How can the trials you walk through help you grow in the areas that you want to grow in? Here's a little um, homework for you. So if we were counseling together right now, I would give you this homework for the week. I would say, would you look back over your life and would you list out the most significant trials you can remember? Just list them out. Then beside the trial, would you look at Galatians 5, the fruit of the Spirit, and would you write down how God developed those fruit of the Spirit in you through that trial? That that is trying to give you some perspective on what God has done to give you hope for what he's going to do going forward. God is going to be at work in you. All right. 
the vision of the gospel. What the gospel can do is, is incredible. And I gotta have that vision. I gotta see past the endurance of the gospel, remain under the gospel, preach the gospel to myself. It's doing something in me that's awesome. I'll write this down as well. Not just the vision of the gospel, the versatility of the gospel, the versatility of the gospel. Count it all joy, my brethren, when you meet trials, it says there, of various kinds. The word various kinds means a speckled or multicolored, think calico cat, just, just all kinds of different elements and, and perspectives or whatever, colors in these trials. And he's saying count it all joy because, because trials are varied. There's all kinds of trials you're gonna, you face in your life. And isn't that true? As I look back over Courtney and mine's life and there's all kinds of trials we've had to face. Man, when I was a youth pastor in a church in Sox Center, they couldn't pay me full-time, so I had to run my own computer business in a city of 6,000 people. And you know how hard that is? Like drumming up enough uh, a business to do training and consulting and network development for a small town. It was tough. And there were times when we had a lot and times when we had barely anything. It's about financial trials came our way. We've been through sickness trials. My wife has had cancer twice. We've had to walk through that difficulty a couple of times. Relational trials. Anybody here ever have trouble with other people in your life? Ever? You have all kinds of trials in your life. Now when you stop and think about trials, I want you to know this. Trials are really God showing us heart desires that we feel he's keeping from us. We all want more security Oftentimes trials is when we feel like that security is being threatened. We all want more comfort and we feel like, Hey, this trial is, is really rocking my comfort. We all want more approval. We all want more pleasure. And these trials are kind of getting in the way of getting these things. And that's why they're trials. And here's the good news. Just as there are various kinds of trials, do you know that God has a varied grace to meet those trials? I love this verse. This is first Peter four ten, which says this as each one has received a gift, use it to serve one another. Now I'm going to get to the last part of this in just a moment. But let me pause there and say, if you're looking for an opportunity to serve, we're going to be renovating a house right next door starting on October 18th. And we need all kinds of people to come pull up carpet and paneling and paint and flooring and all of that. What a gift of God. And like Adam said, I love those kind of projects. You're just getting people together and working together and playing music and singing and enjoying time together as we're serving the Lord together. So be part of that. Anyway, here's a point I want to get to as good stewards of God's what kind of grace? Varied grace. You know, it's the same word there as varied trials or trials of various kinds in James. Same exact word. Just as God's trials are varied, God's grace is varied. Here's what I want to say to you. No matter the trial you face, the gospel has the grace to meet it. So the gospel has the grace to meet any trial you will face in life. Isn't that awesome to think about? Let me prove it to you. When I'm counseling, I'll often draw this on the board. This is a the four hearts. I believe eventually you can take any heart desire and boil it down to one of four. Uh, any heart desire can be boiled down to one of four. It, it, it's either a security issue. I want to be safe. 
or a pleasure issue. I want to feel good, a comfort issue. I want to be comfortable, an approval issue. I want to be liked. Well, here's what's awesome. For each of these, there is gospel promises that help us meet these various heart desires. So, for example, hey, I just want to feel safe. I just want to know I'm going to be okay. I just want to be secure. Well, how about Romans 8, 31 and 32? What shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? Do you see how that answers your security? God, are you going to take care of me? Are you going to provide? Am I going to be okay? Child, I didn't withhold my own son from you. I gave Jesus for you to be sure you're going to be okay. How will I not also with him graciously give you all things? I want pleasure. I want to feel good. Well, how about Psalm 1611? You make known to me the path of life. In your presence, there is, what does it say on the board there, church? There is fullness of joy. At your right hand, there are pleasures forevermore. I just want to feel good. Well, here's how you feel the best. Get close to Jesus. Love Jesus. Find your pleasure in who he is and what he has done for you. Run to Jesus for your pleasure. Isn't that awesome how the gospel answers pleasure? How about comfort? Is the gospel comforting? Jesus said, come to me, all who are, who all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find a rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. How encouraging is that? You want comfort? Then come to the gospel. Jesus has done all the work for you and just rest in what he has done. Here's what I need often, approval. I just want people to like me. I want to be chosen. I want to be, I want, to, I want someone to, to notice me and see me and approve of me. Well, how about this of the gospel? Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, which we holy and blameless before him. In love, he predestined us for adoption as sons through Jesus Christ according to the purpose of his will. That's just awesome. I don't know if you've had this experience. Like, like, like if we were, if we were playing, man, Matt, come here. If we're playing, and I just did that because you yawned. So Matt, come here if you would, please. And uh, Aaron, would you guys come here? So I got Matt, I got Aaron, and Doug is going to pick the basketball team. Doug's going to pick the, come on, Doug, you're going to pick the basketball team. And here's what would inevitably happen in my life. You know, of course, Matt's going to get chosen. I mean, look at him. He's athletic. And Aaron's, you, you know you will. You know you will. And he's seen me play. So there's no question that, right? And then here's me, like, what about me? You know, I mean, everyone else gets picked, and the last guy goes sit down, guys. You know how that feels? And you, you probably do, unless you're the athlete in here, and you're like, no, I have no idea how that feels. I always got picked first. Now, if it was like, you know, a singing team or a drama team, I'd be okay. We need a French horn player stat. Yes, I got it. I'm good. Uh, other than that, though, you know, so. But God chose me. God chose me. And he adopted me. Isn't adoption a beautiful picture? We didn't have a choice in the kids we got. We got what we got, okay? <laughs> no, we love them. You know, they're all good. Um, some more than others, but we love them all. We love them all. Just kidding, just kidding. But um, uh, but adoption, you, you're chosen. You're chosen. I pick you. I choose you. And God chose me. 
Here's what I want to say to you. It doesn't matter the trial you walk through, the heart issue that is being tugged on. The gospel has the answer. Go to the gospel and go to the gospel again and go to the gospel again. It has everything you need. The versatility of the gospel can meet every trial. So a couple of things. Have you identified your common heart idols? By the way, not just one, probably many heart idols that you deal with. How can you make a gospel connection to answer your heart desire? Can you make this, uh, how can you make this more habitual? This is what I do, how I think, how I function. I just go to the gospel more often. How can your small group help you? Giving you four aspects of what it means to remain under the gospel, the vision of the gospel, the versatility of the gospel. Now I want to talk about this, the verification of the gospel, the verification of the gospel. Look at verse number three. For you know that the testing of your faith produces that endurance of that steadfastness, that hupomanian. So, so, so something's got to be tested. Something's got to be verified. The word tested there, words are important. The word tested there literally means to test to be sure that it's genuine, test to be sure that it's real. Peter uses very similar terminology, nearly identical terminology in First Peter chapter 1 verses 6 and 7 where he says, in this you rejoice, though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials. So that the, here it is, tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold that perishes though tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. The tested genuineness. Okay, it needs to be tested as genuine. So Courtney gave me this ring when we got married. She placed it on my finger. I cannot get it off. Did I tell you I'm working out? Okay, just pray for me. Uh, but but here's this, this finger, this ring on here. If I really wanted to test and be sure that this ring was real, like, I don't know. I don't know if it's real gold or not. She said it was. Is it really real gold? The way to test that is to somehow get it off my finger and then to put some fire on it and melt it down to see if it's really real gold. Now, I believe that it is, but you know what I mean. Like your heart, and something's got to be tested as genuine. Now, look at the text. What has to be tested as genuine? What needs testing? What does the text say? The tested genuineness of your faith. Your faith. Do you really trust God? Church, listen. Do you really trust him? Your salvation hinges on how much you really trust God or if you really trust him. Do you? That needs to be tested. Because maybe when you were five, you said a little prayer and you didn't really know what you were doing. Maybe you did. Maybe it was real faith then. But right now, do you trust God? And do you see how trials, difficulties can make you answer that question again and again? Do I really believe God? And do I really believe he will do what he says he will do? And if I can't trust God in this financial trial, how can I trust him with my eternal soul? If I can't trust God in this moment, how can I trust him? We need it tested. So anyone here want to volunteer to do a trust fall? Do you guys remember, do you guys remember these? Do you trust falls? This is like all the rage back in the 90s when I was a youth pastor, and we just used to love it. Put a kid on a stump and make him fall backwards, and maybe we'll catch him, maybe we won't. We'll see. You know, um, only several hospital chaps. So mostly it was really, really good. <laughs> Actually, one time, true story, one time some guys fell, and they caught him, but their heads went, bam, and the two guys. So that was, that was fun. Uh, 
But, you know, we, you, you, if you don't know what the trust, anyone not know what trust fall is, the trust fall is you stand up here and I'd say, I'm just going to close my eyes, I'm going to fall back, and I'm going to trust a group of people just to catch me as I fall back. And when you do it, it's actually pretty scary. And it's somewhat of a good illustration of, do you really trust God? Can you really just fall back into the arms of God to save your soul? And this is very important. I, uh, when I graduated high school, I worked for my uncle. My uncle was a contractor, and he had a scaffolding that he would put up. And um, it was sketchy. I mean, there was, like, um, uh, wire hangers, you know, in some places. There was duct tape in some places. This was not it, by the way. I just found I had to take a picture of his scaffolding. But this is kind of like what it would be. And and I before, because there's one time where I had to get to the very, very tippy top of a of a tobacco barn. It's about 60 feet in the air. And that very last piece of fascia that goes onto a barn, that little triangle that goes to the very top, I was the guy, again, lowest guy on totem pole, 18 years old. I had to go up and put, be the guy that put that on there. So there was scaffolding, 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 um, board, ladder. Okay, that's what it was. And, and hammer and nails. And, you know, you're sweaty. And, you know, it's not, it wasn't fun at all. But I'm telling you, before I got up on that stuff, I was shaking that scaffolding to be sure no pieces fell off, okay? Because, I mean, it was important. It's my life at stake here. And, and this is important. This is your salvation at stake. And what do you really believe? What do you really believe? Do you truly believe that God is who he says he is? Your, your faith needs to be tested and God tests your faith through the gospel. Now question, is that easy? To walk through a trial and just trust God? If we had time and we don't, but write this down, write down Mark 9. And I want you to read Mark 9, specifically 14 through 27. Mark 9, 14 through 27. It's that story where um, the guy has a son that's sick and he says to Jesus, if you would, you could heal him. And Jesus said, if I will, if you have faith, I would heal him. And the man responded with, I believe, help my unbelief. Acknowledging, I I believe, but I'm struggling to believe. Did Jesus still heal the child? He did. And though his faith wasn't perfect, his faith was enough. And I'm not saying you walk through these trials and like, oh, great, someone stole all the money on my bank account. Yay. (laughs) Thank you, Jesus. It's hard. It's hard. But you pray, God, I believe in you. Help the areas of my heart where I don't believe. Some questions. What has life showed you about your my trust in God? Is there a reason to believe I might not trust him like I should? And what are some evidences that my faith is growing, that it's growing? Well, I want to show you this lastly, the victory of the gospel, the victory of the gospel. So we've seen the vision of the gospel, the versatility of the gospel, the verification of the gospel. And lastly, the victory of the gospel, which is found in verse number four. Check this out in verse number four. And let steadfastness have its full effect that you may be perfect and complete Lacking in nothing. Isn't that an awesome promise? How many of you have some things in your life you want to change and see growing? Can I get a witness? Do you do, do this? Do you have like a future version of you? 
I should, have, I should have brought this picture. This is a picture of me a few years ago, and and I was really in the middle of a lot of good workouts again then too, and I had some aviator glasses on, and I just look cool. And uh, so, <laughs> and I also imagine that version of Jamie, his, he never misses his Bible reading. He has a lot of faith. He's really strong in his walk, and you know, he's got he's got it all down, you know? That's the Jamie I want to be. Anyone do that? Anyone like that? You have the future version of yourself? We always tell you, don't put your hope in the future version of you, but look at what God can do. He can do something in you now, right now. He can change you. A pastor once said this, I think it's really good. God tends to wring every ounce of life change out of our trials. Isn't that true? God tends to wring every ounce of life change out of our trials. And he can do that in you and grow you and build you. And But there's another promise, not just for now. There's a promise coming for then as well. And I want you to see in verse number 12. Check this out. Blessed is the man who remains steadfast under trial, for when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life, which God has promised to those who love him. There's a crown coming then. So God can grow you now, but God can prepare you for a time of worship then in heaven when you get to lay this crown at the feet of Jesus Christ, this crown of life, because I've ran well, I've endured well. Father, I've trusted you in the gospel all along the way. I've, that's, and God can encourage you in that. And I want to encourage you to see the victory of the gospel now. I can become more like Jesus in my lifetime, but I want you to see the victory of the gospel then. One day I can lay a crown at his feet. Now I want to end with this. Would you take your Bibles and go to Psalm 25? Thank you for your patience today. I actually have seven more minutes left in my sermon, but we're at 12.08, and so I don't want to keep you longer than you needed to. We had that announcement today with the gospel forward stuff or the discipleship forward. But this is something that God did for me in my devotions today. And God will often meet me in my devotions, and he met me in my devotions today. And I want this to encourage you uh, in your walk And I want you to let your eyes fall on verse number uh, 6 of of Psalm 25. So Psalm 25 was my my psalm of the day. And check this out. Remember your mercy, O Lord, and remember your steadfast love. Whenever you see steadfast love, think grace. Think gospel. Remember your mercy, O Lord. Remember your steadfast love. They've been from old. Remember not the sins of my youth. Are my transgressions according to your steadfast love? Remember me for the sake of your goodness, O God. Now look at this. Good and upright is the Lord. Therefore, he instructs sinners in the way. He's training me. He's disciplining me in the gospel. He leads the humble in what is right. He teaches the humble his way. Now look at this. Verse number 10. Here's the hope. All the paths of the Lord are steadfast love and faithfulness. All the paths of the Lord, whatever he's got ahead for you, know this. If you're instructed right and you've learned the ways of the Lord right, all the paths are going to lead back to his steadfast love and his faithfulness in you. Isn't that awesome? God is doing a work through the gospel to lead you back to the gospel again and again.